Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. Okay, I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just, it's, they're just, there's <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to the show. Joining me today from Auto Action and Fairfax, it's Mark Fogarty. Good evening, folks. Hey there, Craig. And from VRX Magazine, the editor, Adrian Mussolino. Great to have you back on the show, Adrian. Thanks, Craig. It's, well, I sent out a running sheet on what we were going to talk about, but the announcement that Marcus Ambrose is stepping down, Scott Pye steps into the seat right ahead of the homecoming event is a very interesting turn of events, uh, folks. And uh, he's decided that he just wanted to uh, ease himself back into V8 supercars uh, a different way now, it seems. It's an extraordinary development. Didn't see that one coming. Don't think anyone did. And the reasoning behind it, I'm afraid it's uh, got more holes in it than a big piece of Swiss cheese. But More holes in well, it than moving the test day because of the cricket and then running the homecoming up against the uh, final, perhaps. Oh, that's a very cynical view. This, this, is, this is a genuine mystery at this stage. I mean, we're, we're only two events in, one in one championship, and um, Marcus has decided to step back. Temporarily, my understanding is that it's, at this stage he's going to step away from obviously Simmons Plains but also uh, Barbagallo in early May. But I'm just scratching my head like a lot of other people because uh, you know, I don't know what's he going to do. He, the, the official announcement said he needs, he realised he needs more time to transition into V8 supercars. It's more difficult than he thought. Well, duh, you know, that was always going to happen. But what's he going to do? He can't do any go away and do testing, so standing around watching what's happening, I don't know what that's going to achieve, and you might say that, yes, bringing Scott Pye in, who's you know, more experienced in these cars, I suppose can um, form a comparison that the team and Ambrose can later look at and see, well, is the fault with me, or is, or is the fault with the car, or, or where is where is the fault, but it's still... As I said at the outset, it's, a, it's an extraordinary development and uh, I think there's a lot more to come out of this. And Adrian, whilst uh, Marcus has apologised to the Tasmanian fans, knowing that all the advertising for Tasmania was based around Marcus back in his uh, home state racing for the first time, it, uh, I'm actually wondering if the hit he took in the last race of, uh, of Melbourne has shook him up a bit more than what we all expected. Yeah, I agree with folks. There's a lot more to this story that we're not being told because, as he pointed out, it's one championship event down and one non-championship event. He wasn't dramatically off the pace. He, he was there or thereabouts where most people thought he'd be. And this whole thing of, you know, he needed more time to transition, the only way to achieve that is behind the wheel. And you know, with the testing limitations, he needed to be doing all the events. So... Something has to have happened. You know, we're not sure as yet. It's just broke, broken today. But, yeah, there's something more to this. And I, I can't imagine we'll see him and Scott swapping in and out of the drive. 
you know, maybe we won't see Marcus Jill Sandown. So it'll be very interesting if this is the end of his full-time career. And, um, you know, after all the expectations leading into this year and the hopes and the excitement of having him back, it's pretty deflating um, to see him going like this. It is. It, it is an interesting one, but at the moment we don't have much more to go on. So we'll take a break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two level two boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars following the Melbourne wrap-up and, uh, well, certainly the wrap-up of Marcus Ambrose's career for the moment. Interesting race down there in the AGP, Adrian. Quite interesting that the rolling start after the last race has caused so much controversy, and albeit it was a big crash. Yeah, this is a mystery to me why V8 Supercars can't do rolling starts properly. It just seems that there's always some type of issue and... It's clear this activation zone board doesn't work. You know, it should just go back to what other categories do, where it's just a simple green flag and, you know, the leader sees it and goes and that's it. And it's just, you know, it was a bit farcical on the weekend. There wasn't much in the way of great racing and to have that final race spoiled by really just silly shenanigans. You know, and in an event where the Supercars had the chance to put on a good show as opposed to the main event in Formula 1, they really didn't take that opportunity. Fogues, amazing. Just about every other category in the world has rolling starts, and yet every time we have them in V8 supercars, someone's complaining. As Mark Winterbottom, who swept the weekend, said, um, it was a shambles, and that whole carambolage just made the V8s look ridiculous. I mean, the racing was... <laughs> I mean, there were complaints about the Formula 1 Grand Prix being boring. Well, boy... V8s weren't much better. There were four pretty ordinary races out there, you know, just when they're on the, you know, it's a showcase event. They're performing in front of Formula One and all the various dignitaries and VIPs, you know, and they were the worst I I can remember anyway. I'm sure that every V8 race on the support card at the Grand Prix hasn't been riveting, but in my memory it was uh, pretty tedious, you know, I mean, it almost made you, made you think, you know, who did Winterbottom and Mostert think they were, Hamilton and Rosberg? Because you know? <laughs> they, they're just doing the same thing. But, yeah, we're going to revisit this. As soon as it becomes around the championship and it's racing for points and it's fair income, um, the better. It's just It's gone on too long and, and um, they're just not used to rolling starts, these guys, and, and particularly when the system is such that, you know, Frost and Mostert could... Um, legitimately manipulate it and that caused a you know a bit of a concertina effect but of course the the numbskulls down the back were you know um, anticipating and roaring off before they should have so um, it's no surprise that there was um, chaos it was a real carambolage 
Um, and I'm not surprised that later, after the fact that David Reynolds and I think Andre Heimgartner, you know, got pinged for their um, what on the surface seemed to be miraculous lightning starts, but again, they were just you know among the group who who just uh, anticipated a little too much. They didn't, you know, they weren't part of the of the chaos that. Um, uh, well, it was mainly you know Ambrose and and Percat. Um, the damage caused was unnecessary, but you know, mm. I guess the only thing you can say is at least that crash at the start livened things up because there wasn't anything else going on. Yeah, and it, it like I, I spoke to Mark, and Mark was quite happy to say every for three races I I went as soon as I got in the AZ. Mm. I controlled the start. This time, he said they had to have rocks in their heads to think that I was going to do four starts exactly the same way. This time, I decided to go at a different point, and that's the whole—that's the whole benefit of being the pole sitter, particularly yeah. in a rolling start scenario. You get there's to nothing go, wrong with rolling starts no. as such. It's just that it's just, you know, you don't there's have modern drivers experience with it, and and over the course of history, they've never dealt with it particularly well. You know, they've either been, you know, really a really, you know ragtag sort of all over the shop type start or you get the nonsense that you had there so it's just a matter of you know if we're going to have rolling starts which occasionally you know relieve the boredom i suppose have them but you know just belt it into these blokes to do it properly yeah now an interesting i know i didn't have this on the running sheet i apologize but interesting thing formula one is got the virtual safety car that uh, they certainly practiced but they didn't get to put into practice during the race uh, Lamar has, of course, the safety zones where they put the cars back down to their pit limiter speed. But, of course, the pit limiter speed, I think, at Lamar is about 100 kilometres an hour, not 40 kilometres an hour. But uh, is it time, particularly for Sandown and Bathurst, and a promoter would say no, but is it time we look at a virtual safety car system uh, for those big, long tracks, folks? I don't see why not. Adrian, Where's the downside? Yeah, Adrian, it does allow a leader who's built up a substantial lead not to be as affected. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why it can't be done, but I think the entertainment value of having a safety car, you know, at times we have supercars needs that because we don't want to see situations like at the Grand Prix where you have runaway winners. Now, you know, those drivers might earn that lead and it might be a bit unsporting to bring them back to the pack but, you know, safety cars are a good opportunity just to jazz it up a bit. And I think Formula One's gone to the other way where they will avoid having a safety car. But the opportunity that it presents itself, I mean, the Grand Prix on the weekend could have used one or two to, to really jazz it up. And I think V8 supercars should take advantage of those opportunities. Um, it's You know, it's entertainment at the end of the day. And the big message from the weekend is if you don't entertain, then you shouldn't expect to be getting crowds back. Mm. Uh, interesting in as much as uh, Formula One needed a safety car, they had the perfect uh, opportunity to deploy one, folks, when that uh, carbon fibre was strewn on the track. And yet in the most OH&S conscious state in the country, there was a track marshal running out and collecting it under race conditions. That was unusual, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, a surprise. Um, but, you know, didn't worry me. <laughs> wasn't no, I mean... Marshals should be able to, you know, scoot across the track if they're aware of where everyone is and, you know, it's safe to do so and get rid of stuff 
rather than bringing the whole thing to a grinding halt. I mean, in this in this case, yes, it would have helped, but it would you know, would have helped, but it wouldn't have changed anything. No, of course not. You know, it's not like Vettel would have roared up behind them and then you know battled them epically to the finish. So um, no, I mean, safety cars are a dual-edged sword, aren't they? Well, know, they can they can liven things up by compressing the field. But you know they can also in- interrupt the flow of, of of good races and you know and the number of times, well you know as we as we know safety cars are safety cars and it just drives me crazy the number of times particularly at Bathurst you know right near the end where it's all set for a, an epic finish well they, they've had them anyway in recent years but you know some idiot you can guarantee puts it in the fence. And right at the psychological moment, you know, triggers a safety car. Honestly, I'd ban them <laughs> for doing that. The really. driver? I mean, the or... number of times that's ruined or changed, you know, dramatically changed the face of a race. Well, uh, before we go to the break, uh, firstly to you, Adrian, will Melbourne be for championship points next year? Yeah, tough one. Um, obviously, the TV deals are now aligned, but I think there's still a way to go. Um, I think more than likely it will be, but the big concern for me is you can't have these 12 lap sprints as championship, as we saw, you know, a safety car or two, and you know, with time certain and and everything like that. And we don't want to repeat what we saw in Abu Dhabi a few years ago. So I think there's a way to go. Um, the message for me out of the weekend was the support category in general was pretty light. I think there was only three support categories on the field, so there's no reason why the supercars shouldn't command some more track time. Um, so uh, there's some negotiating to go. But yeah, And it's no stranger, folks, that we used to, at, particularly at Adelaide, have 32-lap VAT supercar races ahead of uh, the Formula 1. Well, there's no obstacle now in terms of the alignment of the, the broadcasters and had that been confirmed earlier this year than it was, you know, there may have been a slight chance that the V8s would have raced for points this time around, but while V8 supercars are all for it, the broadcasts are all for it, and even the Australian Grand Prix Corporation are all for it, I think the real stumbling block as we go on is essentially Bernie Eccleston. Um, even Formula One management, you know, as an organisation, uh, apparently, you know, are okay with the idea, but it's convincing Bernie, and that's going to be the long, hard road between now and next year to, to get it up as a round of championship. And then, as Adrian said, you know, Sorting out the format that the races fit into the championship, you know, they can't be these, um, you know, well, they shouldn't be sprints, so they've got to work in with the Formula One scheduling, and, and that's mainly just basically Formula One are paranoid about keeping distance between any support categories and Formula One, you know, so there's always got to be enough time between the support race, whatever category it may be. And the Formula One race activity on the track at various stages across the weekend to make sure that if something goes wrong, there's enough time, you know, to clean up the mess, as it were, and get things moving again without affecting the F1 schedule because that's, the, the, you know, the one immovable um, factor in Formula One races is, is their schedule is, you know, and, and rightly so, they are Formula One Grand Prix, but we, I don't think we'd ever get the, the disgraceful treatment that the V8s got in Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago, um, where they were just basically shoved into the back blocks and, you know, virtually shunned and made to feel like, you know, well, second-class citizens 
would be the good news. They were more like sixth-class citizens. But that won't happen at the Australian Grand Prix because it's an entirely different environment and, and the Australian Formula One race itself has lots of... Um, how would you describe them? Well, it has lots of freedoms that other Formula One events around the world don't have and that's both historical and due to the fact the big show that they put on, um, you know, they get some breaks from Bernie, but whether he'll give them enough breaks to go so far as to sanction um, championship V8 racing at V8s, we'll have to wait and see. Mm, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. I've, I've got some ideas of my own, which I'll share with you after the break. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as V8 Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, where Mark Fogarty and also Adrian Mussolino join me, Craig Ravel. And uh, guys, I was thinking, if this came to an impasse, could we see a V8 championship round weekend before or after the Grand Prix, and then uh, the Grand Prix you know, still going along because you've got all this talk about, uh, well, electioneering perhaps that Sydney wants to have one over the Harbour Bridge. Folks, you must have an opinion on that. What, a Sydney Grand Prix? Yes. Tell them they're dreaming. (laughs) (laughs) Great idea. Honestly, fantastic idea. Even, you know, I'm a born and bred Melbourneian and love the Grand Prix being here, but I'd be off in a minute to watch it in Sydney if it were around, if it were around the harbour in the Rocks area, or you know, even better, somehow utilising the, the Sydney Harbour Bridge. But the disruption it would cause, the sheer cost. You know, this is not a new idea. You know, this is about the, probably at least the fourth time in the last thirty years, if not more, that it, it's been floated. And yes, it's it's possible. Anything's possible with enough money, but the sheer cost of it, you know, and it's bad enough what it costs, you know, $60 million a year to the Victorian taxpayers. Well, it it would be more like $100 million Mm. for the New South Wales taxpayers, and that state is in a lot worse shape financially than Victoria is. Mm, Indeed. You know, they can't even fund their health and education system, so I'd be thinking, you know, get your priorities right, but... Wonderful idea, love it to bits, don't give it a nice cubes, hope in Hades. <laughs> okay, what about the idea of a Supercar Championship round weekend before, weekend after the Grand Prix? And it's, it's, The Grand Prix event does seem to run for a week. We talk about the drivers getting to town on the Sunday before, of course, uh, Lewis flying in in his own uh, jet on the Sunday. It, what would it matter if uh, the Sunday before we had the Rose Clothes and the V8s uh, tearing round? Well, at Albert Park. At Albert Park. Oh, yeah. oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. 
Well, the week later, yeah. Or the week well, later, yeah. Whilst the, yeah, whilst the infrastructure's later, in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the weekend before, maybe. I don't know. There's, you know, I mean, the, the, it's interesting this year for the first time in in nearly 20 years and 20 runnings, you know, the, the mood in Melbourne is, was a lot different. There wasn't the criticism. I think finally the, the race has been accepted and it's seen as being a good thing for Melbourne. But I think if you put on a race the weekend before, you might be trying the patience of all involved because it wouldn't cause that much disruption, but just enough, you know, to say, and even worse if you left it the week after. Um, I, you know, I can see the sense in it, um, but I just think you'd be um, just pushing it a little too far. Adrian, is there any point in future-proofing your event in case the GP gets pinched? It, it, it's an interesting idea. I think the problem would be from the Australian Grand Prix organisers, you're robbing them of their biggest support category draw card on the actual Grand Prix weekend. And I touched on earlier, the support category this year was very light on. I think it was just the Career Cup and the Heritage Street cars and Viet Super cars. Don't forget the celebrity race. Come on. No, well, that was actually canned this year. There was no celebrity race. So um, not that anyone really missed it, but still there wasn't much in the way of track activity. So if you take Viet Super cars out of that and move it to the weekend before, then there's, it's very light on in terms of track activity on the actual Grand Prix weekend. And um, then you're sort of almost competing. The two events are competing against each other. And, um, yeah, I think that would sort of stop any potential for the two-weekend event. Mm. All right. Now, Frosty destroyed the field literally and figuratively, if you believe some of the other drivers in the racetrack. Uh, but he's left almost immediately to go over and race in the Brazilian stock cars, Adrian. Now, yes, it is an interesting one because he did that last year when it was with some success. So um, it, it's interesting with Mark because he's one of the drivers who didn't really go to Europe or overseas early in their careers. He just you know, grounded out through Formula Ford and went straight into the DVS. So you get the sense he's making up for some rough time now that his career is, you know, he's well established in V8s and. You know, it's interesting to see drivers do more of this, and he's one of the few who's actually gone down the touring car route overseas rather than the GC or sports car route. So um, it's you know, an interesting path. Is um, good on him. You know, he's had success with it, and um, it's a very strong championship over there as well. He's you know up against some quality drivers. And what? is also interesting about how he's done it, it's, folks, is it's been through an engineer relationship, not through a knowing a team owner or anything like that. It's the engineer of the team that said, I've worked with this guy in Australia, he's a pretty good steerer, we we should give him a go. And it's worked out well enough that he's been invited back. Well, we know that Mark Winterbottom, you know, is probably one of the best touring car drivers in the world. You don't get to be a top V8 supercar driver and not be one of the best touring car drivers in the world. So I'm not surprised that he made a big impression last year and has been invited back, albeit in a different team this time. But as Adrian said, he's in a pretty competitive championship. We don't hear much about it. It's you know on the other side of the Southern Hemisphere. But, I mean, it was won last year by Rubens Barrichello, a former Formula One star driver and there are lots more Formula 1 drivers in the field for this race which has moved to a different venue apparently last year it was at um, Interlagos and now it's um, somewhere else 
forgive my lack of detail. Yeah, I think it's Gyoda, Circuit, uh, Eton, Senna, De Silva. Yeah, um, yeah, even I have no idea where that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's in Brazil. It's in Brazil. <laughs> and they speak no, Portuguese. Good, but, you know, I mean, apart from, you know, apart from the horrendously long journey, he's got to go there and then equally get back and get over jet lag by the time he gets down to Simmons Plains. Um, again, um, I see no downside and... Um, you know, he's made a good impression, and again, that just reinforces the um, standing of V8 supercars worldwide, which, you know, among motorsport enthusiasts, is very, very high. It's a highly regarded championship everywhere. And that's the critical thing. Drivers doing these international races actually enhance V8 supercars' uh, appeal, interest, and, and stature. Whereas we have gone through times where they've tried to lock them down and lock them into only can race for us, you can't do anything for anyone else. And ignoring the benefits of having uh, that sort of promotion overseas. Well, Fiat Supercars has really created this situation themselves with the calendar the way it is. There's so many gaps within the calendar that... You know, you can't blame the drivers for looking at opportunities in GTs or at Le Mans or wherever because when you're racing, I think after Simmons Plains, the next race is until May. Um, you know, it's, it's it's not fair on the drivers to just expect them to be sitting on their couches for five weeks doing nothing when there's such limited, limited testing. So, you know, I think Viet Supercars should expect that they will go out there and drive other things. And, you know, look at Shane Van Gisbergen. He has you know, almost reinvented himself through having that freedom and being able to do whatever he wants, drifting, GTs, whatever it is. And, um, you know, looking at the evidence, it certainly made him a happier, better driver. Mm, indeed. it's. I, I think it's for the best of the sport, folks. Having our drivers compete elsewhere, of mm. course. Having a month break, no. Yes. This nonsense of nothing happening in V8 supercars in April. I mean... I know there's a reason for it, but sorry, unacceptable. Take a break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. It does trouble me, that break, because you are stopping right at the start of the football season. People are just dropping It's bad enough we go from, you know, the heights of Clipsal 500 and the Australian Grand Prix. You know, next, where do we go? Sleepy Hollow, you know, Simmons Plains. And it's not on Fuller TV Live. Sorry, you know, we're going to a bucolic backwater. Yeah. And then we disappear and then we come back on the other side of the country, at least it's a major population centre, and, and then we roam around and Winton again, a great little track, but, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And, you know, we basically don't get back to a major metropolitan area until Sandown. Mm. Uh, Ipswich, I suppose, and, and Sydney Motorsport Park, but honestly. 
This is this is a big problem that the eight supercars really need to look at because this calendar is it's just an ongoing issue and the mo- momentum that's lost between rounds you, you never really gain that back and um, no. you almost have to re-educate people before each round about who's leading the championship and who's doing well and you know that type of thing and it's so hard to do when you're not a mainstream sport you're not a football code that's in the papers every day so um, it's the it, they really need to look at this schedule and get it down to whether it's you know, April, October, whatever it is. But mm-hmm. there's no excuse to be going from February to December when you only have what, 15 events. Mm-hmm. Well, well I, you know, I think the way forward is to turn it upside down. We've really got to look seriously at making it run from, well, ideally, October, you know, through to March. Sand down yeah, eclipse. Essentially, a summer sport. It, that creates some problems, you know, what happens with Sandown as the lead up to Bathurst and all that. But anyway, but mm. in broad terms, just get away from the footy season. Just forget about it. Yep. And race uh, in the summer where every other country that runs motorsport runs. It, yes, It's indeed. not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. They have complaints about, oh, it'll be too hot. Oh, yeah, right. Well, you know, been to Kansas in the middle of summer in the United States, you know. <laughs> I, I, I once raced, well, I didn't race. I was crewing for Tony Raines. We were racing at Volusia County Speedway. I put the jack under the car to start jacking it up and the the pit lane was uh, bitumen. When I dropped the car, the wheels had sunk into the bitumen half their diameter and you were trying to pull a jack out that was, you know, buried into the bitumen because it was that hot. Oh, yeah. I mean, boo-hoo, it's hot, you know, but as you say, everyone else, even the Kiwis, race in the summer and, you know, I'm sure it's not beyond the the brilliance of the assembled mines up in Narang or North Sydney or wherever they hang out these days to come up with a calendar that is survivable for everyone and uh, maximises the chances of the sport getting coverage. But that's another story for another day. Perhaps, because I was going to say, with Talon Bend, Toowoomba, Bendigo, uh, sorry, uh, Ballarat, and also the Gold Coast uh, permanent circuit coming on board, maybe they'll be able to fill a few gaps with some new permanent circuits. But we'll see how that pans out. We need to take a break and a final thought on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. A final thought from Adrian Mussolino. Well, everyone's obviously disappointed with Marcus Abro's, um, you know, what it seems to be um, leaving the category on a full-time basis, and he probably won't be back until the Enduros. But I'd say look at the silver lining, and Scott Pye really is one of those drivers who could be the future of the category. It was... You know, grossly unfair that he missed out on a full-time drive through no fault of his own, just the way the licences fell. So I think he will have a point to prove, and I think he will confirm his, 
you know, his place amongst that Chad Ross at Scott McLaughlin and Nick Perkett group, and um, he's one to watch for the future. Folks? Wouldn't you love to think that Mark Winterbottom and Chaz Mostert's crushing form at Albert Park will transfer to Simmons Plains and beyond and they will join James Courtney and Shane Van, Shane Van Gisbergen, and Gisbergen and hopefully Scott McLaughlin in really taking the fight to Jamie Wincup. But it's not going to happen, is it? Mm. I'm sorry, I think the performance of the Pro Drive Australia... Pro Drive Racing Australia Falcon FGX at Albert Park was very specific. Um, I know Frosty was trying to argue that no, 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 it's got more application to other places. Of course, Phillip Island and maybe Bathurst, but he also mentioned Queensland Raceway. I really don't see how that goes. So the real test will be at Simmons Plains where a lot of stopping and a lot of turning is involved and other shorter tracks. You'd like to think the pro driver going to get up off the floor and take the fight to Triple Eight, you know, but best will in the world, I can't see it. It's going to be an interesting couple of events, uh, albeit spread over three months. Thanks once. I'm, well, I'm almost on holidays again, yay. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm looking forward to my April. It'll be good to not be on the road. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's going to be interesting for everyone, that's for sure. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.